Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me another episode of Strategy with Jason, Philly Drive Edition. That's right, we're in Philadelphia. I'm here with the one, the only, the oh-so-famous Mr. Danny Zav... Oh, I messed it up. Zaz. Give it to Zaz. Love. Love. Ski. Ski. Zaz Lovski. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Common spelling. <laughs> I'm not even going to edit that out because I think that was absolutely perfect. Hey, Danny, thanks for taking the time to jam with me. Thanks, man. <laughs> I appreciate that you're able to do this and drive at the same time. I, and, and I'm not a good multitask guy, to be honest with you. I'm really not. So, um, But I, I've done enough of these, so we're going to figure it out. Okay. Hey, Danny, for, for everybody out yep. there who's watching and listening, I love kicking off all my podcasts with a little origin story. Okay. Primarily because I'm probably selfish and I just want to know. But how did you get started in the crazy little world we call the automotive industry? My parents... Uh, escaped Ukraine in 79 got and um, moved to Italy and they were wait they waited there to get sponsored or adopted by a family in the US and uh, the family that sponsored mm -hmm. my parents was in Kansas City and okay. when they got here my dad's first job was uh, to be a shoe repairman um, <laughs> and so he was a cobbler Wow. Um, and Russians had, that was kind of the, the, the job that Russians took when they were immigrants and came to the U.S. And my dad was always entrepreneurial. And so he eventually, he, he always had it in his spirit because he wanted to own the business, right? Yeah. And that's like the common thread that you're so going to He had find. that entrepreneurship that kind of entrepreneur, built into him. Yeah, and, I, and that's certainly not unique to immigrants. We, we come over here and we see all this opportunity. And the, 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 our, our mission is to attach ourselves to to where that opportunity meets our purpose. And so my dad's purpose started in shoe repair business. Um, and uh, the cool part about that was right up the street, like literally up the street, was this little car dealership uh, that uh, another guy had started that had five cars on the lot. And it was a corner of a building of what looked like an old airplane hangar. And it was called Country Hill Motors, okay. um, named after originally uh, this is funny because I don't share this very often. Named after Country Hill uh, subdivision down the street. Okay. Of which uh, Josh's, this is my dad's business partner's, first girlfriend lived in. That's the reason the name existed, <laughs> which I thought was pretty So it just kind of stuck. It just, it just stuck. There was no way of changing it. At least that, one of right? the, yeah, once <laughs> the relationship didn't, but the, the business thrives. So so my dad walked this up the street one day and and... Uh, saw a Mustang because he always dreamed of having a Mustang and he bought a car and he goes can I come back and like hang out with you and and so my dad would walk up the hill every day until he figured out he was like um, can I sell cars here on the side because I think I'm gonna hire my first employee that can do uh, you know kind of the meeting and greeting and 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 I can shoe repair uh, at different parts of the day and come up here and sell cars and my dad did that and very quickly figured out that there was something there for, for him to attach to and grow because That's awesome. Josh um, had a, a desire to be more in the operations of the business, but on not on the forward-facing side of it, not on the consumers, not on the acquisition, right? That's where his skills didn't 
meet the needs of the business. But my dad, on the other hand, you know, loved it. You got a taste for it and just taste for it. It tasted good. (laughs) So they, they became business partners and this was in the eighties and I was born in 83. Uh, only a few years after my parents. Yeah, I told you, we were so like, you, very yeah. similar in age. So you were baptized into the automotive industry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in the most Jewish way possible, because yeah. that's the other thing. Okay, there we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, a, it was you know, matchmaking. Yes. So, uh, and then... And then I grew up in it. So I, I grew up at the shoe repair business, right? And um, I, and then my dad would take me up to the, this car business. So I grew up in this tiny little office um, and watched all these deals happen all the time and watched my dad bring a different car home every day and like, um, you know, all the, all the, uh, the journey that came along with that until I became old enough to um, start to take on roles with the yep. car dealership yep. and that's when I was 14 and that's kind of when I started actually working there. And what was what was your first job at the dealership? I was curious. Oh my god, uh, getting on people's nerves. <laughs> getting on uh, people's for sure, nerves. but I my first job in the dealership was uh, washing cars. I hated it, but my dad made me do it and then he tried to get me to work on cars and I broke more stuff and then um, I said, "Give me like let me try selling." And I remember being a young guy selling cars, the the hardest thing that I had to overcome personally, and I have a word for it now, I didn't then, is imposter syndrome. Because yeah. here I was, this like 15-year-old kid selling cars, and I just needed to figure out like how to get people to like trust me, believe yeah, in me, right? Exactly. I'm 15 years old selling cars here, and they would always look at me like, you kid, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and so it, it, that, along with other things, gave me the opportunity to kind of grow up and, and become more articulate. And, but what I fell in love with at that time was marketing. Um, and I didn't understand back then why I liked marketing so much uh, because I like fought with my dad and I said, hey, we gotta do marketing. And he was like, you see that busy road? See every one of those cars that drives by? <laughs> that was his that's definition marketing. of marketing. <laughs> yeah, that's his definition of marketing. Man, so, I, there are still a handful of dealerships out there that do actually believe yeah, in the model. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, but um, I figured out later why I like marketing because it's like at the time and even uh, today, it's where technology existed. Yeah, it's, well, look, it's the first impression. Yeah. You know, so that's what drew me to the marketing as well. It was like, it, look, getting the customers through the door was one thing. Talking to them, I enjoy doing it, but understanding why they chose this specific location yeah. versus the hundreds of other options out there, like it was the marketing. And mm-hmm. I was just so fascinated with that really quickly. But I, I, I say marketing today, but in reality, I'm probably using the wrong, the wrong word. It was probably the branding. It was like, why did people connect to this brand versus other brands? Yeah. I, I started off in a franchise dealership. So it was a General Motors dealership, right? Yeah. And for the life of me, I couldn't understand why people wanted there's to own There's so much vehicles. science in it. There, there is. Like, there's and I just so got much fascinated science. with yeah. it. I really started to own it. So that, that makes sense, man, where you went from, where you got into the marketing side. So, so what about marketing in the automotive industry, you know, really kind of gets you going in the morning? Okay, so <laughs> sitting from what I know now, looking backwards, yeah. um, I loved seeing, I, I really like process, I really like mm. data, yes. and how that data turns into information, and how that changes the behavior of the people actually, like, administering the, 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 the process like like hey we're gonna take this information we're gonna turn it into um, this process and and then all of a sudden it changed the culture of the store back then um, we wanted to sell more cars right and we wanted to kind of figure out how to buy better and how to um, therefore attract kind of the right customers and for a long time we, we were cash only I remember people coming to us and saying hey do you guys finance we said no we're only cash I mean, that was for 15 years oh of, of our car dealership existence and so when we 
started doing financing, we were like, well, shoot, we got to tell the world that we offer financing now. And that challenge of figuring it out is, it, with the constraints that existed mm -hmm. 20 years ago, right? When, when you were pretty limited, uh, we we're pretty limited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The newspaper, literally radio. Yep. <laughs> um, so TV, if you could afford it. <laughs> exactly. And, and so that, that challenge has always been really exciting. And, uh, the hard part was making sure that you were always honest with the car instead mm -hmm. of just treating it as another quote unquote unit, right? Yes. I always wanted to make sure that I never lost touch with the excitement of what I was actually offering or the problem I was solving. Instead of thinking that like, how many units did I do this month? I, 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 I trained myself not to think that way because the reason I got into this business is because I do truly love cars and I love the yeah. tech that comes with them. And it's just such a cool, uh, industry that you get to, it's got such a long tail, right? You get to be not just part of the acquisition and sale of it, but then all the technology in between to make that transaction possible for the dealer and for the consumer. It's just wild. Well, it's a challenge. It's, it's the a challenge. challenge. We're challenge junkies. Yep. I mean, honestly, I think you in the car business, and especially if you're on the operations and marketing side, it's the challenge. Yeah. All right. The, the consumer's evolving. Uh, marketing channels are evolving. Everything is always evolving. I mean, any strategy that we executed two years ago, yeah. throw it in the trash. It yeah. means absolutely nothing, right? Yeah. That's just how fast things are things are changing. And it's like to meet the consumer where their expectations are now versus even like even this last 18 months. Yep. I mean, the consumer has just evolved and changed so quickly just in the last 18 months. And you have to look at your operations and your marketing. It's like, how can you meet the consumer where they want to yeah. be met? Yeah. Um, so I can see the challenge, man. I can see why you like it. I, there was another aha moment that I had. I'm curious what you feel about this. Yeah. So I used to think that when you were talking about brand, I used to think that it's like, okay, we got to get our brand out there as much as possible. Brand, 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 brand. And yep. then when there was a mistake, the brand would apologize and all that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> but I don't think that's right, actually. I've changed my position. I actually think that the brand is um, the result of the culture and of the people. And so yes. you should be people forward and culture forward. And, and if we wanna change the perception of our industry, we gotta do it with our people, right? Because that's the that's what lives at at, at the experience level is our people. So I'm lately, for when I say lately, like the last decade, we've really um, taken the brand and put it as a, almost like a, at the back of the line and put mm -hmm. our people forward so that when we miss when we misstep in the review or in any pro or, or any part, any of, part the, of it the, yeah it's always people first uh, because I feel like people will uh, forgive another human but it's much harder to forgive a brand 100% well look I think a lot of dealerships out there think is brand brand is something that you create yeah all right and what they don't realize is that your brand exists regardless if you're intentional about it or not. Yeah. And I think the key of branding is to be in, in, intentional about it, right? It's yeah. not enough that you just kind of do it and that's it, right? Like you actually have to be intentional about about those efforts. Yeah. Um, what, are they, what are those called when you like take a drug and they, they tell you that um, side effects may include? I think, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think, I think that's what you're, you're doing. Like, you know, the side effects of your of your people is your brand. Yes, 100%. It, it, well, you know what, it's people and process. Yeah. So, so you know, when you think about it, it, the people makes the difference, but it's actually the process that they're following and executing that really kind of creates the experience. Yeah. You know, because um, our process is only strong as the people that are actually executing on it. Yeah.
You know, so like I think of branding when people ask me a lot of times, like, you know, how do I differentiate myself from everybody else? You know, we, we have amazing people. Like, like, there's a lot of other dealerships that have amazing people, right? But operationally, it's not, look, it, it's not what you do because we already know what you do. You sell cars, yep. all right? Um, the question is, it's not necessarily even how you do it. You know, for the most part, we all know how to buy a car and interact sure, with the dealership. Yeah. It's why you do it the way you do it. That's right. That's the differentiating factor. And I think that's where the industry has a hard time of kind of, how, how do you put that into words? How do you translate that into creative? Like, you know, and it really comes down to, well, it's in your process. It's like, why did you go and create the process that way? Yeah. Right, there, there's a reason behind it. And if you can dig that up, that is someone's ultimate brand. But that's being, that's being intentional about it. You're, you're know what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, <it's> like, <laughs> but I think like you, it's just like, it, it gets me going. Yep. Like, I mean, I love talking about this stuff. I love connecting, you know, with with dealerships and helping them kind of, you know, walk through that. And it, I was the same as you. Like the, the combination of analytics and consumer behavior. Like I realized, so when I first started in sales, right? I, I would ask the question, so how'd you hear about us? Mm -hmm. Right, that's a typical marketer's question, yeah, right? Yeah. And I started to associate really quickly on my success as far as closing the deal based on certain sources, right? Mm -hmm. So I was like, mm -hmm. oh, okay. So, and then that's what yeah. kind of started that Pat whole dogs. It's, yeah, you hear the bell. It's like, it's like okay, <laughs> I know that, okay, this was someone who saw us in an auto trader magazine. Sure. You know, I'm like, okay, I, I know based on my efforts there, like I can, I can do this. You know, if someone said, well, a friend of a friend referred me to it. I'm like, okay, this is a lay down. Um, I just got to treat it but right. But today you know? it's so different because like if you had a donut shop, right? Well, exactly. you, you would advertise the best donuts on the street. You would have your differentiator and you would get people there. But with in the car business and having inventory management at the core of kind of what we do yes. and having all, now this multi-channel, not just communication oh, it's crazy. Uh, environment that uh, dealers partially control, uh, right? Mm -hmm. We have a window into uh, a piece of it, but we heavily depend on technology partners that um, will help us stay innovative and, and on the cutting edge of things, we hope. Um, I think it's a, uh, it's an interesting world we're stepping into. Well, let's talk a little bit about technology because that's a lot of what you guys are working in that's it. right now, is it? Anyways, you know. So, I mean, look, I think I think dealers in general um, they approach technology incorrectly. All right, okay. they, they look at technology as the uh, magic diet pill. Okay. Or the easy button. Oh, okay. You know, so it's like, okay, I want to lose twenty pounds. You I think will dealers take today this one. do that. Yes. Okay. Um, what I what I think what I don't see enough happening is the dealership taking the time to define the process and then work backwards towards the technology. Ooh, interesting. Okay. But I've done some research on what you guys do, and it's clearly it's clear the way you guys built what you do and it how is. you guys operate now. It is. That it was very process first, and then let me work backwards for the tech. But I want to get a little bit from your thoughts. Yeah. Of like, why did you guys approach it that way? So we, I mean. We didn't get into an easy business, um, no. and we we also spent um, four years iterating before having what you know the product that you see exists today. Um, we didn't want to create a bolt-on solution that would solve a piece of the puzzle. What we thought is there's so many disparate solutions out there already. Why do we need to create another? The appetite for the industry, the solution for the industry, um, is always been to simplify, not make more complicated. Well, that, that's the ultimate goal. That's right? the ultimate goal, right? Yes. And then the the next piece of that is um, when you can take 
an Im- a, a car's life cycle and put it into one system mm-hmm. from appraisal to um, acquisition to inventory management to the insights that you get from market pricing and syndication, getting it out there, and then all the rich data that comes back to it. That individual vehicle file is almost like a EMR and electronic yeah. medical record, right? Yeah, and it's the, like a blueprint. It's yeah. a blueprint, right? And that data is information that's super valuable, not just to the current owner of that asset, but mm-hmm. to the future owners of that asset. Because if I sell it to another uh, consumer and that consumer sells it to another dealer, that data continues to go as long as they use our solution. So you can see what a vehicle uh, left the internet for. You can see really interesting information because it belongs with that VIN. Does that yes. make sense? No, 100%. It's the owner of who, that's that's how we feel. We feel that it belongs to that, uh, whoever is the current owner of that car. Uh, because then you can really make authentic decisions instead of emotional ones. And. And that's how, unfortunately, a lot of people end up purchasing a vehicle. Is it, it is an emotional? It is an emotional purchase. The, I, 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 the, yeah, well, you talking about for the consumer, for, for the, the consumer, for the consumer. Yeah. Well, I think even some dealers too. I gotta yeah. be honest with well, you. Well, I will know? tell you, for the dealers, I, I I'm a, I'm guilty of it. Where it's like, okay, what cars do we buy? Well, yes. this car really hurt me last month, and I'm not going to buy another one because I don't need to. Or I made a bunch of money on this one. We should buy another one. And they don't take into account because they don't have the information in front of them to be able to see competitive data, market pricing data, mm-hmm. their own sales data in order to triangulate, should I actually make this buying decision or not? And that's what we work to solve uh, within VinQ. Well, no, I think that like the role of a used car manager has changed a lot. Yeah. Um, here's a funny story. I got, it was a lot, sometime last year, um, I practically got crucified on social media for a post that I put out there. Okay. Now, I, I post a lot. I mean, a lot. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, we, we post anywhere between four to eight times a day over four or five different networks. Okay. It, it, it's anywhere between 25 and 35 times a day that we're posting content. Okay. Right. And, you know, to be able to produce kind of that level of content, I have to give creative control to, to my team. You bet. And sometimes context doesn't always completely come out in a way they cut or edit something. So they put a post out and the post promoter starts starts off with, you know, the most useless position in, inside of a car dealership, the used car manager. Mm. <laughs> and I get, I get destroyed for this one, I, right? I can imagine I, that, that I was touchy. That was very, very touchy. <laughs> um, but, but it took a while, I think, you know, and it, it was fine because I left it out there because you know what? It, it, it opened the conversation, yeah. right? Like what a used car manager is today versus what a used car manager was 20 years ago is two entirely different things. Well, they have to be a data-driven, totally. data-mined, an embraced individual. But they're but they're captive to who they report to. And the question Ah, is, is that leader giving them the ability to grow or are they keeping them small? And that is a really important distinction, I think, because I know the owners that empower their team to grow with the times and by that also means failing and making mistakes and costing the company money. Mm -hmm. But if the heart's in the right place, and um, because success doesn't look like this, right? No, it looks like this, and then and then this, right? <laughs> it's it, it 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 goes up and down. Hopefully, the trend is up, but um, it's not it's not a linear. It's not a perfect hockey stick. No. So, I think if you have for those that are either in positional power or have um, are a founder, it's important you that you start getting out of the way so that you mm-hmm. let the people. Uh, fail to the 
to their highest training, if that makes sense. Oh, 100%. I think you get a kick out of this. I was actually just uh, working with a large dealer group. Uh, they have locations both in Canada and the US. Yeah. And you know they don't actually call their used car managers used car managers anymore. It's gone, right? Okay. Um, they're called uh, inventory um, management or acquisition managers, so depending, yeah. on, depending on what Smart. side of the table they sit on, right? Yeah. You, you, you'll get even bigger kick out of these. These guys all are from the finance side of their JP Morgan. Okay. They were um, portfolio commo- managers. Yeah, commodity traders. And I, I was like, oh my gosh, I gotta meet these guys. Yep. Right? Like I wanna meet them, right? And you know, instead of having one individual at every location, they have like a group of five, you know? But they all treat and look at this at any given moment, it's probably you know, $30, $40 million worth of inventory. Yep, yep. All right, And they're looking at it as a portfolio and a commodity and how they manage that. Jason, do you have kids? I do, I got three. You? What are their ages? 10, eight, and six. Okay, I have a twin eight-year-old boys. And oh, man, so we're, we're, you and I are like li- living parallel <laughs> yeah. pain here. And, yeah. and great stuff too, right? Yeah. But what I'm watching is like, my kids have all of this um, interaction with what games that mm-hmm. measure all these different data points that they compete on, right? Yeah. Whether it's Roblox and in and scoring games or getting points, or you think it, my kids don't play this yet, um, but I know others that do. Uh, Call of Duty and all the metrics. That yep. So, like from an early age, already they're being taught um, how to get that endorphin hit, and um, I see that within inventory managers that now can, you know, data scientists that can manage inventory without ever having to f- physically touch it. My dad used to yell at me. How could I make a decision on a pricing unit without 100%. walking on the, like, go you touch, gotta the, touch car. the car. You gotta touch the car. <laughs> and um, it's just wild how all of that is continuing to evolve. And I think in some ways positively, and I think in other ways um, we're not there yet. Yeah. Oh, no, no, for sure. But I, I, I think it's cool that you actually kind of uh, correlate that together. And I think the future of the industry is going to, oh, look, we're already beginning to see a big change in the way that we acquire and manage inventory. Mm-hmm. And, and that approach is very um, uh, investment level. You know, the, the, we remove the emotion out of it. Yeah. All right. It is, it, they're literally just pieces of metal. I've invested this much money. They need to, re- they need to provide this type of level of return. Yeah. Yep. So I'm curious, this is my question for you. Um, what do you think the new used car manager persona looks like, you know, f- over the next five years? Can I tell you what I hope it looks like? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Um, I really hope that um, that person is uh, based in human connection. Mm. Um, because I think regardless of the mechanism in which we connect, you and I, or um, me and whoever I'm buying something with, it's really important that on a human level that there's a that there's trust, that there's ways for me to feel safe, that there's ways for me to feel confident in uh, the decisions that I'm making as a consumer, right? Mm-hmm. And so, and I want that human connection. And I don't think that's ever going to go away. And, and in fact, I think that's only going to be amplified um, I mean, look at what COVID's done. We found ways within technology to still continue to connect, right? Via exactly. video and all that stuff. That's not regressing, that's progressing. Um, would we prefer to be in person? Absolutely. And there's been such a, um, there's, you hear 
all the time people saying we can't wait to get back in the office. We always thought that working <laughs> remote was going to be amazing, and we realized that we need the the equity that comes from camaraderie and and, and solving problems in person. So my long answer to a short question is I think um, they will be highly educated in data and how that translates into information, but they will be on the front end of uh, excellent communicators. I think that's the answer. I'm with you. I think communication is going to be... I got to be honest with my most used car managers I ever worked for when I was selling cars, um, you could barely get them out of their desk, right? And they definitely weren't, you know, let's say very efficient in their communication efforts, you know, but you're right. Someone who's data driven and who's able to quickly connect at a human to human level. Kyle Monsier said this, the the new sales managers are going to be today's internet sales managers. You know what? And I am actually beginning to see that transition actually even happen now, you know, where they're hybriding kind of over. We've seen stuff like that in the past happen as well, right? Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. I think that will definitely, it will definitely have that direction. Danny, I look, I know we're getting towards the tail end of our time right now. Yep. And, you know, I think there's still a lot to be talked yeah. about with <laughs> with this specific topic. But for everybody out there that's watching and listening right now who yep. maybe like to connect with you and sure. even just continue, you know, some of this conversation, what what's the best way to connect with you? Uh, so you can find me on social media uh, if you can spell my last name. So there's a challenge for you. But uh, my email is easy, danny at dealerq.com. And you can just uh, shoot me a note. I'm, I'm pretty informal. Uh, what gets me excited is, is uh, thoughtful innovation, right? Like uh, what's, what's going to be the, the result of those efforts? And, I, and I'm, I'm a part of this automotive space because... I think that there's a uh, better way for uh, the dealers that exist today to um, use a system uh, with with all the right data and get it out to the world in an authentic way. Because cars are becoming more complicated and and we want to be able to communicate the value of that, not just based on like the vehicle options, features, packages, but Mm -hmm. each one of us offers uh, different things that are exclusive to us, whether it be like reconditioning and warranty and certification and all these things that we do as dealers on the ground on a daily basis. And I, I, I don't like the, the deception right now that exists with um, all these cars showing up in markets where they don't even live, yeah. right? And, and all these um, superlatives like fair deal, good deal, great deal being applied to these vehicles that aren't grounded in real data um all those things are the things that i uh, am fighting against oh man that's awesome and uh, look i encourage everyone out there watching listening connect with danny um danny you definitely feel like you're that uh approachable person right thanks, man. <laughs> hey Dan, thanks so much man for taking the time thanks,